Welcome to episode 717 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio team, welcome along to episode 717 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oles. How you going, mate? I'm good, man. We've got some, some news this week, which is uh, exciting. <laughs> Big time in triathlon right now. And it's not another race cancellation. It's even better. The question I have is, John's doing his 30 runs in 30 days. Have you been for your run today? I've not been for my run today. Ooh. Finally, we've got some rain in Christchurch, which is uh, long overdue. And I did run in the rain yesterday, but yes, I'll be getting out there for another run today. Bevan, don't worry about that. Fingers crossed the rain stays my, my big, My big bloody question is, where the hell did you get your hair cut? I haven't had it. Oh, no, I just had a shower. Okay. Yeah, no, I've got a mop. The mop. I'm even starting to get the mully at the back, John. It's coming back. At, at what point do you authorise Joe to touch your hair? I'm actually kind of liking the bit of hippie look coming back, John. I might go back to the old... The only problem is I'm starting to recede at the front of my hair now. You know, I'm, I'm early 40s. And so the problem is when you start to recede at the front, if you do the long hair look, it doesn't look so cool if you're starting to recede at the front. So I can't really commit. I think I can probably survive another few more weeks in lockdown without yeah. a haircut. But worst case scenario, John, I, I, I do trust my wife with this. I don't. So <laughs> here we go. I am talking is proudly brought to you by... Generation you can. Nutrition, sports nutrition that gives you a longer lasting energy without the spike and crash of sugar. And we've also got some patrons. John, I'm going to go first because you're going to do the second one. Michael, call me Sir Turner. Anthony, the Squid Express, Camarilli. <laughs> yeah, that's why I gave that to you. And then we've got Lee, the Merv Hughes. That's a great nickname, Merv Hughes, legend. Okay, guys, in this week's show, we've got some news. And, and as John informed you previously, we do actually have some news. So it's an exciting time. Hopped up of the week. We're going to chuck about five to ten minutes of our interview in from the Legends of Triathlon podcast that we've got coming out today, John. So uh, who is it with? It is with John Lunt, who was the race director of the London Triathlon, as well as helping shape um, many of the events in the UK and as just generally assisting the sport over there um, from the early 90s. Uh, Coach's Corner, website of the week, wanger of the week, and questions and answers at the end. John, the big race this week was that the challenge organisation, alongside the PTO, have announced the Challenge Daytona Middle Distance World Championship race, which at this stage is pencilled in for December, which is an interesting move, isn't it? Well, it's interesting on many, many fronts. Many, it's, many fronts. Firstly, uh, it's a week after the scheduled 70.3 World Champs, which are supposed to be held in Taupo. Whether that happens or not, bit of a long shot, I think, at this stage. But yeah. anyway, it's a week after that. Uh, so that's interesting point number one. Timing of the season, you know, again, um, it's post-Kona, if Kona happens in October. And also, you know, with uh, ITU athletes, who knows what's going to be happening with, with any of the ITU circuits. So I think it's a, it's a, a, it's a, it's a it, I think it's great timing, especially in the current climate. Um, B, the, the biggest question- thing about it. Well, the question I have is, how much of the, do you do you really want to invest as a race director? Because if the race doesn't go on, how much are they going to spend? They're probably going to spend 100k at least to put a race on that doesn't go ahead. And now, doing it at Daytona probably makes it a little bit cheaper, although maybe it doesn't. I don't know how that would work. There is a risk. Oh, there's def- definitely a risk. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the positive side of this, and I just think there's so many good things to come out of it. The biggest part of it, 
one million dollars. Yeah, and the fact is, it's, it's cut down by the PTO. Do you think we're going to go good field? Oh, money talks. We've seen this happen before. So money um, talks. <laughs> when they did Bahrain, I thought it was a million dollars at Bahrain, but I couldn't find much information when I was. Um, delving around. It was yesterday. one $1 million race, wasn't there? I thought so, but I, the one I was finding in Bahrain was 500k. Um, and when they had a 500k prize purse, uh, it was 100k each for the winners, and then it paid down from there. Michael Raylert and Helly Fredrickson took that race out. Um, so, like, I think this is $1 million. You'd assume there's going to be, you know, uh, 150 to Two hundred thousand dollars, maybe for first place. Um, yeah. I, I saw one comment that I think it's paying twenty deep, which is good. So that's going to help to um, get a good field. They'll get a quality field. There's no other racing. Athletes want to need to win money. Um, it's good money. It's paying deep. Uh, so I think it'll do really well. The other thing that will uh, be interesting to see how they do with big fields is whether they have the twenty meter draft zone, which I think they will. And that did actually seem to work okay when they did Challenge Bahrain a few years ago, and they did have a very high quality field there uh so look i think it's going to be cool i think they've got an opportunity at daytona if potentially and i don't think they will this time around but trying a few different things as well you know just trying a few little gimmicky and, and things. a half yeah like um fastest lap or something like that i don't know but you know that they, they've got the opportunity to maybe try a few super league type things you know we see the short shoot in super league so trying to spice the race up a bit um, and when, when you've got, you know, if, if they're just going to do laps of Daytona, which I don't know if they will or they'll go out on the road, is, you know, whether you allow athletes to ride a couple of um, athletes abreast in the pro race because there's plenty of space for passing, um, whether you have sort of two two lanes of the road. So I think they'll need to, to, to make half Ironman racing exciting, especially when they've got a course here that they could try a few different things. Uh, I think that presents an opportunity. You know, the one, one area that... that worries me about both this and super league and and what have you is where's the where's the business model and you know where's the money going to come from long term because the pto at the moment is being backed by um one investment guy by the look of it yeah. uh and what's the long-term business money if he loses interest a bit like challenge bahrain a bit like a lot of the other things once that one guy maybe loses interest um what's what's the, the plan further down the track and i'm sure they've got that in place with the pto but um it's not really that apparent at this stage yeah there doesn't seem to be a big revenue stream coming through even with something like this it's not mm. going to really capture an, an audience of general public that's going to bring a big return on investment uh interestingly john i just did a bit of research here daytona lab is 2.5 miles long it's mm. lots of laps it would be lots of laps and i know for the age group race that they don't just do laps of the course uh and i can't remember what they've done in the past for for the olymp for for the um for the pros but here's, yeah, a question. here's another question for you john we're not living in this crazy this is kind of we're not living in this crazy time we're living in right now and and the world's kind of like what it was beforehand they announced this what is it you're saying it's a week after the world's yeah. How many people go to this and not the Worlds? How does, uh, how does it hurt the Worlds field? Quite a, yeah, quite, quite a bit, I think. Um, so I th whether that, that changed timing of 70, generally 70.3 Worlds is not going to be in November. So going forward, I wouldn't... No, but I mean uh, just this year, you know, specifically this year, who yeah. gets a stronger field? Because the world title still means something, and I know they're saying this is the middle distance world championship race, but it's not quite the seventy point three stigma or, or prestige. Yeah, I don't have a good answer for you there, Bevan. Don't know. Where would you go? 
I'd probably go to uh, depends if I was going to be someone who was it depends if you're going to be a winner or a place getter and if I was someone who was maybe in the that sort of 10 to 20 range I'd go wherever I thought I was going to get the best opportunity to get the most money if I was a legitimate top three athlete with a really strong chance of winning then I'd go for a world title because I think you could probably make more out of that longer term. Yeah, and your legacy is a world it? champion. Yeah, you know, and, twenty years from now, you could say I've won three seventy point three champs and two Kona's or something. This mm. race, hey, who knows if they can build this into a big thing? Maybe twenty years from now, this will be one of the races. But at this stage, it does, definitely doesn't have that legacy pull to it when it comes to the long term kind of story of a career. Okay, John, we also had some interesting article come through from Triathlete Canada, uh, and they were talking about um, Andrew Messick talking about postponement of both the world championship and the 70.3 championships in Taupo, um and uh, where it might be happening in maybe early 2021 or both of those yeah. races so it's just I think it was more of a question that he got asked and he, he seemed to, to didn't discount potentially postponing both Kona and the 70.3 world so this is by no means a done deal it's no. uh, it's just somebody asked him the question and he didn't seem to dismiss going well, maybe we could move you know Kona to February it makes sense on a lot of fronts in terms of qualifying um, it, it's fantastic for Kiwis because we would actually get a chance to to go over there in the peak of our summer would have some racing uh, under our belt uh, so it'd be really it'd, it'd balance the field a bit more for us for us Kiwis maybe the Aussies and South Africans etc because normally we have to train through winter and it it's, makes it very very tough uh, obviously on the flip side of that all the Northern Hemisphere athletes are going to be coming straight out of winter. The downside, as was pointed out in this article on triathletemagazine.ca, was that it's more expensive to go to Kona at that time of the year. They have a lot more tourists down there avoiding yeah. winter. Um, so definitely not def- definite, but it has been discussed. Uh, and I think it would. Um, I think there's more positives to moving it to February than there is uh, negatives. Yeah, it'll, be, it'll kind of be, you know, talking about history, it'll be kind of a cool point in history, won't it? Like, you know, there was that other year back in the early 80s, we talked about it recently, actually, where they had the, the early season Kona. And now, why was that? Because... Oh, they, did, they were switching from one island to the other. I'm, I'm almost positive that was the reason. Okay. Um, so, like, I think ultimately we all want to see some world championships. And if it means that early next year we have to have two instead of one, you know, missing out this year, so be it, eh? Yeah, but the, and the call needs to be made soonish because, you know, I'm, I've got athletes that are, that are training for Kona and you're looking at the timelines and it's like, come on, just hang in there. But, you know, once you get within sort of 16 weeks or so of the race, um, you know, it's the travel plans for all the age groupers, the pros, you know, I know it's their livelihood, but they the, the, there'll be other opportunities for them. But for all those people that are investing in this as a, a one and done um, or, you know, the pinnacle of their triathlon career, just trying to plan. And I know it's difficult for everybody, but I would hope they make the decision in the next um, sort of four to six weeks uh, to give people certainty. Well, that's the thing is, do you want, like we've already bought our tickets to Kona, but do you want to be buying a ticket to Kona right now if you hadn't already bought it? Mm. Mm. You know, exactly. like, especially, you know, like, without being unfair on Americans, it doesn't look like they're going to be getting on top of it 
in the next couple of weeks at least. So it's definitely a very challenging time to make big decisions that have huge implications, not just for an athletic career, but for your financial career as well. So interesting time to hear, John. We did have some, oh no, actually Thorsten's been doing some daily quizzes on Instagram. So if you go to Instagram slash try rating, well that's the name, try rating. Uh, he, each day he's basically been putting up some questions. John, are you looking at the page right now? I'm not on Twitter. Don't, I'm not looking at the page. Don't right look now. at the page. I'll ask you okay. once. I'll ask you a few of the questions he's already done. Okay. Mm. Who was the last male athlete to win Ironman Hawaii on debut before Luke Van Laird in 1986? Before Luke Van Laird. Before Luke Van Laird. That, I've, I've got no idea. That's going to be going back a long way because before Luke Van Laird, you had the sort of the Mark Allen reign. You had the Dave. Did Dave Scott win on debut? Hmm. I'd just take a stab at Dave Scott. John Euston, you're a legend! Yeah, yeah. He won in 1980 on debut. Okay, another question. Um, Which male athlete has the most uh, sub uh, 245s in iron distance racing? Iron distance distance racing. Yep. I'm going to go Matt Hansen. No, he's not in the top three. No. Joe Skipper and Jarrett uh, Sherlats or Sherlats uh, have a second. Mm. Do you want another guess? Uh, I don't think it's Craig Alexander because he raced in Kona so many times uh, that his run times were awesome, but he could have raced a lot elsewhere. Um, uh, I'll, no. give you, I'll give you a clue. New Zealand legend. Uh, so not Terenzo. No. Oh, Cam Brown. Yeah, there you come go. On, come yeah. On. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Cam Brown. Cam Brown is, is the most um the most sub four two forty five, which is pretty interesting. One more question, John. Yeah. What was the youngest ever official Ironman Hawaii finisher? What was the age of that person? And I'll give you a clue. Oh, it was nineteen seventy nine. So it yeah, was probably was, before regulations were I would say eighteen. No, fourteen. Fourteen. Michael Collins. Swam 111, bike 13, 14, 32, ran 842 for a 24 hour, 25 and 58. <laughs> <laughs> so he walked. <laughs> I think he had to sleep in the middle of it too, John. Okay, so if you want to go check out, basically what he's doing is one day he'll put up a question, then the next day he'll put up the answer to that question. So it's kind of a fun thing to be doing. You check out Try Rating on Instagram as we can get those little kind of quizzes. Okay, John, racing. We did have some racing happening over the weekend. Uh, what happened there, Jonbo? So on the we had the Ironman virtual reality racing over a half Ironman distance. Judith Corican from España took out the females race. Very close racing. I didn't actually watch this coverage, and I'm just looking at it now. There's only two seconds between her and Jackie Herring, so that must have been a pretty awesome sprint finish. Uh, and then Joe Skipper took out the males in 2.05.51 uh, in front of Nico Lanos by about six minutes. And I did see a post by Joe Skipper saying that it was uh, one of his highest ever power outputs for that duration of time, so he certainly gave it a good go. Then, uh, obviously, we had plenty more racing on Zwift and I'd encourage you guys to have that maybe playing in the background while you're doing your next trainer session what's interesting with the uh, sort of pro try series on Zwift is that the Ironman athletes are being really competitive especially on the male side of uh, the racing and are actually beating the ITU athletes so I won't um, give you the exact results of the the events because I'd encourage you to just go and watch them Um, but yeah the Ironman athletes and half Ironman athletes are showing the ITU athletes up at, at stages so, which, which if you would, want to check you it out, you wouldn't pick, would you? 
No, especially when it comes down to sprint finishes. Yeah. Um, you know, you'd, you'd think maybe they'll get away and just, you know, a bit of a Lionel Sanders get away and stay away. What kind of distance are the races? They're very short and sharp, so they're, you know... 20 to 40 minutes long. They're not. Uh, they're not long. Uh, and then one other thing I saw was Lionel Sanders finally. Um, well, not finally. He got the Mount Lemon KOM, which is kind of the the biggest climb. Well, I don't know if it's the biggest climb in the states, but it's um it's right up there. Oh, so it's one of the more prestigious. Uh, he got it on Strava, so he's here oh, to see okay. it's li- living in that sort of neck of the woods. Uh, it's a long effort. I think it's. Like about an hour for him. For most of us mere mortals, it's probably closer to two hours. Um, but he's he's cranking. He's racing a couple of times a week on Zwift. He's out doing this stuff, so he's clearly in good shape. Hi, man. St. George was set to return this weekend, but unfortunately, it's not happening. So it's a bit of a bummer, John. It is, but what I was, uh, it was going to be the return of Ironman St. George. Uh, we haven't had a race there since 2012. And the reason I kind of wanted to highlight this was it's fantastic that Ironman are bringing back uh, some of these tougher races. Um, this race, when they held it last time, uh, we're back in 2012 for the pro racing. Um, we had, I'm just pulling out the results uh, now in 2012, we had good old the Hoffman. Ben Hoffman really? take it out. Wow. Uh, 2012. 2012. Wow. So they had, they had 2010, 2011, and 2012. Ben Hoffman took it out. Guess what his time was, Bevan? Take a guess if you haven't got the results in front of you. And oh, St. George, really it was pretty really slow. I'm going to really say 845. 907.04. Nearly got a dojo domination. Uh, second place was Mike Twelsick in 925, and third place was Axel Zeebrook in 935. So he only had probably about you only had 10, 10 male finishes by the look of it uh so very so was it was it a tough course and also a tough day uh don't know about the day but it was a very tough course so uh, is that typical of the results you'd get there Yes, uh, so if we have a look at the female pros that day, I'm pretty sure it was Meredith Kessler that took it out. It was. She did 10-12, and she did do a dojo domination, winning by 25 minutes. If we looked at 2011, then let's have a quick squiz what the times were there. First male pro was also, oh, the results here are a bit funny, Ben Hoffman, he went 8-41, uh, and he beat, he did another dojo domination, beating Bevan McKinnon. Oh, no, these results are a bit screwed up. They're a bit screwed up. See, Mike Twelsick maybe won. He went 8.33. They're all not in the correct order. Do you know anyway. what? Like, like, it'd be cool to have a race where, not Nor- Norsemen-like, but it'd just be cool to have a race that was like top pros struggled to do nine hours. Well, they're, they, are, they are around. I mean, this one's an example that it's pretty tough to do that. Then you've got places like uh, Embram Man, and I don't know off the top of the head what the winning time is there, but uh, yeah, certainly some tough day at the offices. Very good times. Okay, John, we do have a bit of news about a young New Zealand triathlete who's doing pretty well right now. Hayden Wild ran a 13.21, uh, which looks like a 20-second PB. New Zealand record is only 13.10, so he's not far off the fastest ever done in New Zealand. Just showing some good signs for the future. Holy smokes, that is, that's legitimately serious fast. Well, that's, that's, that's running for two, four, two minutes 40 Ks. And the reason I saw that is Try and Z posted that he'd uh, run that time. It was as part of like a Athletics New Zealand virtual 5K. So it's not a track time or anything like that. It's not official. You know, it's off his watch. It's off uh, Strava or some other platform. Um, but 13.21 is, uh, he did 
40, I think, earlier this year uh, in a 5K race. But he running a 20-second PB. I don't know if he had training mates or anything with it or just solo TT'd it. That's impressive, uh, and he's in great bike form. He's winning Zwift, or winning Zwift races, and uh, yeah. Come on, L- come on, Kiwis! Come on, Kiwis! And timing it like the Olympics being a year later, he's someone who benefits from that, doesn't he? Totally. And you think about the people that don't benefit, who are just yeah. hang- hanging in there. Yeah, you know, we, like, we like saw a Gomez. Yeah, we saw a Kiwi cyclist who was hanging in there recently, uh, and he's just retired track cyclist, world champion, etc. He was hanging on, he was trying to make 2020, and he was on track for it, and he's just said, I just can't do it for another year. Yeah. Um, so Eddie Dawkins retired recently, and he was a great New Zealand cyclist. So one extra year could be the difference between doing really well or doing really crap. It would be great to see a young Kiwi, Kiwi, you know, being competitive at the Olympics in this sport. Okay, John, last week's discussion came through from Tim oh, Hemmings. Hold on, you missed, you missed my last piece of news. Oh, wait a second. Oh, if you want to do a long ride. How long ride's going, John? Good. So if you want to do the London PRL, which is the longest ride on Zwift, 173 k's, and uh, just, I think it's four metres under 2,500 metres of climbing, uh, I'm going to be doing that, uh, organising a group on Sunday, the 17th of May, 6.15am New Zealand time, which is Saturday evening in the UK or Saturday afternoon, depending on where you are in the US. Uh, go to imtalk.me and you'll see there's a little camps and training button there, um, and you can click on there and uh, put your name down and get amongst it yeah, amongst it did you do one last weekend we just did a fairly short one last weekend about now 45 mm-hmm. so this is likely going to be in the range of sort of five and a half to six and a half maybe seven hours for some people uh, it's going to be a big session and it's going to be the longest i've ever been on the trainer and the longest i'm going to be on the trainer for a long time to come Ooh. Crazy, crazy stuff. Okay, this week's discussion. Another great question here from Tim Heming. The question is, what is the strangest place you've trained or the greatest lengths you've gone to train? You can go first, John. Uh, Michael Parrott, up until COVID, I had spent the previous two and a half years working fly-in, fly-out in the Gobi Desert in Mongolia, four weeks on, two weeks off. I used a rower and stretch bands for swimming, an old-school exercise bike with without a screen, uh, power, etc. for cycling. I could run outside, however, during winter, it gets down to negative 30 degrees centigrade, so uh, you are motivated to run fast. During my r rs I would smash myself swimming and running. I trained for two times Western Australia Ironman and one Kona as a legacy athlete doing it this way. That's tough. That is tough. Tanya Lee Parker has got running 400 metre laps around the compound and then riding the same laps while living in Saudi Arabia where women were not allowed to ride bikes at that time. Wow. Oh, multiple laps. And a 400 uh, metre. Oh, God. Tim Hemming, who actually came up with this this discussion. To give some context, there was a hook for this question, which you forgot to read out, Bevan James Isles. Sorry, blame, Sorry Tim. You, Love you, Tim. Me. Sorry. <laughs> and that was it was inspired by Joanna. Oh, God, I've got to read this name. Joanna Percholok Mandat, who is a meteorologist from Poland and stationed in the Arctic for 13 months at a time. Due to the temperature, most of her training is indoors, but on the rare occasion she can go out for a run, she needs someone to accompany her, except said person also needs to bring a gun because of the threat of being attacked by polar bears. Bugger there. Rich Thorpe Scott, on deployment with the Navy in the Middle East, we were confined to the base. I flew out of my, my bike, so I flew out with my bike so I could do 4 a.m. rides down a 5k road. 
Nice. I've got a gold one next. Uh, Tom Ward, back in the day when I worked for financial services in my re- my regional office was 70 kilometres away from where I worked. Once a month, we had a meeting that I had to attend. I used to TNT or courier a suit and my photocopied notes three days out from the meeting to the venue so I could cycle there and back. As at rush hour, I'd often make the journey faster than in the car and calling my colleagues while they were stuck in traffic to point that out. Great planning. Love it, Tom. What about this one from Pike Reardon? Uh, does running 11 miles at 2am back to my hotel after a mate's wedding pissed up in a full tuxedo and dress shoes count? And then Paula Ryan's got, definitely I turned up at a half marathon race at 5.30am after leaving a friend's wedding at 1pm, 1am, and plenty of dancing because I promised a work colleague I would run with her. She backed out and got her hubby to do it instead with no training. We were both nearly dead at the 18k mark. Oh. I once did a triathlon triathlon. They used to have one called the Faye Rich White Triathlon oh, in, yeah, yeah, in New Zealand. Yeah. It used to be a team triathlon, but you would each do a triathlon. It was like sprint distance, maybe, I don't know, maybe it was 300 or 500 meters swim, 15K bike, 3K run. And I did that. I was, I'd been out a big, big night the night before, and uh, <laughs> it was not pretty. Uh, Terry, dirty little secret, BSRD. Number one, on my honeymoon in Sri Lanka, there was a 100-meter-long pool. The water was so hot that I could only make one length. Number two, on a business trip in the middle of Bulgaria, I managed to get a KOM running a loop of a park, being chased by stray dogs. Lost my KOM since, but I never tried to claim it back. Yeah, fair enough. Tom Ward, did you, you did Tom Ward, didn't you? I did, yeah. Um, you do, I own, a, I own a McKenzie. I own a McKenzie, I own a McKenzie. Oh, there you go. Well, my norm is pretty weird. <clears throat> uh, at a fly-in diamond mine near the Arctic Circle, this time I brought my bike and trainer in case I'm quarantined, and I had to take the leg of my kicker so it would weigh under 45 pounds and to make the cargo cut off. That is definitely out there. She travels. She does a lot of that stuff, doesn't she? Yep, up into the sort of, into, she's sort of in the Arctic Circle as well. So, yeah, so many people that do the, these shift jobs where you're either two weeks on, two weeks off, four weeks on, two weeks off. They've got to do some pretty crazy stuff. I can't say that I've ever really been in a situation where I've uh, had to do anything too crazy. I don't know about you. Well, weather-wise I have, but not like, I remember one time, I remember my longest run for when I did Kona, I had to do a three-hour run, and it was one of the only days, like, in Christchurch, you eat snow maybe once every two years, and it was one of the big snow days, and I remember I'm running up Summit Road, like, just snow everywhere, and I'm, and I'm thinking, I'm training for a bloody 35-degree race. Someone pulls over and goes, you all right, mate? Do you want to lift? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, well, I'm training for Hawaii. <laughs> so yeah. that's probably the, the only one I have. Yeah, I mean, yeah, most of the places I've uh, managed to situate myself, training is always a possibility. The one, probably the one, one of the more interesting things that I happened was when I used to go to to Poland, um, and that was uh, oh, yeah. you know a different part of the world to be training in, and and no, nobody else really out cycling. Maybe one or two people out cycling, but one day, and I may have told the story before, we biked. We used to bike over to Lithuania. You bike to the border, bike over the border keep going for another, I don't know, 30Ks or so, go to the supermarket, get a feed and bike back. It was a good good long ride. And one day we we never took our passports because you just it was an open border. Yep. And one day oh, when no. we were going over, uh, they stopped us uh, <gasps> at the border. It was the Polish side? or I, I think it was the Polish side. It was either Polish or the Lithuanian. It was the Lithuanian side, not the Polish side. And uh, they detained us for hours. And, I, I, uh, I don't think you've ever told this story. Were you shitting oh. yourself? absolutely crapping my pants <laughs> because there was five of us i think and the, the polish guys were not too stressed but they knew that if the people that were detaining us 
cottoned on to the fact that I was a foreigner, then there may well need to be some money exchanging hands oh, really? for us to get out of that situation. We were in this dodgy, dodgy building, and they just detained us. It was bizarre. And eventually, so did you, did you talk at all? You kind of, or you trying to just, just, just do your Polish accent? <laughs> Didn't say a word. And finally, somebody we'd made a number of calls, and somebody brought our passports from from where we were staying back in Poland, brought them over. <laughs> These guys that were the immigration people were just drongos, man. But the, the people brought my incorrect passport. I had two passports, and one of them was uh, an invalid expired one that had the corners and everything cut out of it. Yeah. And they were still flicking through that. It had all these crosses through it, and they just still thought it was legit. Anyway, we got out of there in one piece, which was a relief, and no money exchanged hands. But it was a pretty scary experience. That is, don't tell me about when I was in Bali last year. Yeah. This is kind of similar, but not different. Joe and I hired a motorbike, and they say that. The, the police are really corrupt there. So if you get pulled over, you're going to have to pay some cash. Did I tell you the story? Don't think so. No, so we're in Bali and we, we hire this bike and we go, I don't know, we did this beautiful day trip and we kind of rode around doing some beautiful beach and stuff. And we're riding around, this cop comes up to me and, and he goes, like, pull over. So I just, I said, wave and keep going. Because <laughs> I pretend I was going to pull over and he kind of slowed down and I took off and waved and kept going. And then he came back up to me and he goes, pull over. I slowed down again, <laughs> took off again. After four times, he just gave up on me because I was like, I'm not giving you any money, mate. (laughs) (laughs) The things we do. Okay, this week's discussion is what are the the best free core and flexibility routines that you have found online? Obviously, there's plenty on YouTube, but we want to see the ones that you find are the best ones for core and flexibility routine workouts. So put those in. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. John, we're going to sponsor, but this week, our, our listeners have done the work for us. They have indeed. Sean Diggett Dooley. So he um, he sent us in an email uh, sharing his experiences with UCAN. So Generation UCAN guys, you've heard about them on the show plenty of times. He said, I tried using it a few times many years ago, but I couldn't stand the consistency. After listening to a few of I Am Talk UCAN podcasts, along with them advertising on Babbitt's podcast, I decided to try it again. I needed a product that wasn't going to cause my stomach to rebel. Um, this go around, I mixed the powder in with cold water and shook vigorously the consistency was much improved back in december i signed up for my first ultra marathon a local 50 miler like everyone else i put in a ton of miles only to have the race cancelled neither here nor there uh, i used it in all my training runs greater than 20 miles the product works i consumed less gels and bars while running and my energy remained constant i thought i might have just been mental the first couple of times but when i messed up the mixture for a long run the energy just wasn't there two weekends later on a 4.5 hour run gel flask mixed correctly i was able to increase my pace in the last five miles and still felt strong at the end Uh, yesterday i ran close to two hours on just one scoop with consistent energy i'm a believer and ordered some more using the pro using the product using the im talk code so awesome i love it when we get um testimonials sort of like that because um you know it's one thing for me to be saying oh it's a great product and we love it and so on but um yeah it's really good to to keep consistently hearing this and and i've got a number of athletes in Christchurch who have been using it uh, lately and have found it to be you know a bit of a revelation so um, one of the challenges we all face with using products like this is is how you're going to carry them I had one athlete recently he mixed up multiple scoops into one bottle and actually
actually made a really thick consistency, which I didn't actually think was going to work. Um, but he said it actually worked okay because it is quite a much, much thicker uh, consistency than what you get from you know a regular sports drink. Um, you also had Luke, Luke uh, Gilmer. He said, I've used it in my last three weekend long rides and learning not to mix it with other nutrition. It seems to work best if I've had it before the ride than during the ride. I understand this is in relation to controlling the insulin spikes. I will likely use it in my next Ironman through to the start uh, of the run and then move on to the course nutrition like gels and coke. So, yeah, I just wanted to get a few people's opinions on how they're using it, what they're, what's working, what's not working. And one of the things that uh, doesn't work for some people is just getting used to the flavour. And, and a bit like what Sean Dooley said, first time I tried, I was like, oh, the flavour's a bit, bit odd. Um, but the key is to mix it up really well. So I use one of those proper sort of, what do they call those, mixing bottles that have got yeah, like the, the little, shake thing. Yeah. Um, little sort of wire doodacky in the middle uh, and shake the crap out of it. And, uh, and it mixes it in really well. So for me... I've used it in the past at the start of Ironman rides, um, taking in a bottle. What I'm planning to do going forward is to have a couple of bottles worth on the bike and then possibly carry a, a bottle for the early parts of the run so I can actually consume some then. So, um, yeah, guys, it's a good product. Check good, it out. And good news is if you go to discount code, or you get a discount code. So the IM Talk is the discount code when you go to check out. And it will work on all of the websites. You get 10%, 15% off in Australia, New Zealand, Canada, and the US. In the UK, you get 10% off if you put those codes in. There are different websites for different places. Uh, Generation You Can for the US.com, uh, smartperformancenutrition.ca for Canada, Australia is generationyoucan.com.au, uh, New Zealand, superstarch.com. .nz and then UK generation you can.co.uk. So again, use that discount code IM Talk and you'll get either 15% off in most places and 10% off in the UK. It's good to get, as John said, you know, the proof is in the pudding. We've had lots of good feedback about this and you can hear from those testimonials here. You guys are liking it. So if you are someone who wants to kind of play around with nutrition and find a better way to kind of get better energy in your race, check out Generation You Can uh, for those needs. John. Let's do website of the week. Okay, well, let's be honest. Everyone's addicted to Zwift right now, and it looks like it's going to be that way for a little bit longer, so we thought we'd do ZwiftHex.com. Yes, yeah, so I, I learn something new about Zwift every every week, and this is another website that I've come across. So you obviously got Zwift.com. You've got Zwift Insider, which has got heaps and heaps of information and tips but Zwift Hacks I um, was checking out this week and what I like about this it gives you a, um, there's, if you check out their routes it gives you a really good visual of the routes including where the sprint points are and where the KOM locations are so if you happen to be you know riding around a particular loop uh -huh, so you can kind of go hey I know it's coming save myself yeah. go now Exactly, um, because sometimes it is a bit, it's not random, but if you don't know the courses, you won't know when things are coming up. So if you're doing one of the big ones, um, that's a good one to have on, on tap. And then the other part of the Zwift Hacks website that I liked was you can go to the events page, and it's really easy there to filter um, for different uh, locations. So there's the different worlds in Zwift and uh, different courses, so you can type type into the sort of the, the root box and it will filter them down so it's just a really good filtering device because sometimes I go into the events page say you're trying to find a, an event in, on the particular course like Bologna um, you've got to scroll 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 here it's sort of got a searchable function and uh, and also highlights which of the events have got lots of entries in them so check it out zwifthacks.com and you can go I'm, look, I'm looking at the London long distance course is that the one you're doing this weekend 
Uh, no, we're doing the London PRL. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at, 173Ks. Okay. Yes, correct. And you can see the 3D version of it, and it spins around so you can get an idea of what's going to happen. Or you can look at the 2D, which is, looks at your traditional kind of terrain map that you're going to see in any race. So as John says, you can kind of see where those kind of pink points are going to come along in the field. So, yeah, good little, good little tool here, John. It is indeed. Swifthacks.com. I'll put a link to it in www.imtalk.me. Jonbo, three, two, one. Coaches Corner. We've got an email here through from Ollie Clark. And he's got my question is, he's just saying he's getting his Swift set up and stuff. But he's saying my question is, and I know John covered what the various online training platforms offer, but is there a Coaches Corner that you could do on how to best combine them, as in how to combine Training Peaks, Swift, and Garmin to get the most economical setup? Do you need to pay for Training Peaks to get a system where my Garmin or similar talks to my training platform like Zwift. It seems like you could get lost in a world of subscriptions that are counterproductive. So the basic question is, I don't want to spend too much money because there's crossover. So how do I get the most maximum return on my dollar from, without spending more than what I need to? Totally hearing what you're saying there, Ollie, because <laughs> it is a bit of a minefield out there knowing what you need to sign up for and what you don't need to. And I think the first step you need to do is deciding what platform you're going to look at your data or if even if you're going to look at your data whatsoever because so many athletes uh, do not look at data they don't they're, they're probably paying a subscription for training peaks or they're paying for Strava premium or whatever but they don't even look there so I think the first point you need to decide is am I actually going to look at my data and how much detail do I want to go into so I would say the two choices you've got there are Strava or training peaks and um, for most athletes they don't really use Training Peaks um, very much at all. You know, a lot of people use it because their coaches use it, um, but they don't but actually. Is there go a way a coach it. can use Strava? Um, because the great thing about for a coach for Training Peaks is you can. It's a good portal. You know, they can see all your athletes. It's it's, it's a good management tool. For your athletes? Does, that, does Strava have an option for the coaches? I don't think so. I mean, you can of course, from a coaching point of view, you can go into Strava and look at people's identities for post session analysis. But in terms of actually prescribing workouts and so on, um, not to my knowledge. But I could be could be wrong there. Okay. So, in terms of actually paying for training peaks or Strava. You only really need to be doing that if you really want to delve into your details um, in a lot more detail. Uh, so I would say if you're on a budget, you can probably get get by without Training Peaks if you're not looking at Training Peaks Premium. What does Training Peaks, Peaks cost? Uh, pretty sure it's 10 bucks US a month. Um, so, But they have a free version, which is still going to track all your information. If you're being coached, the coach can still deliver you all the information. The paid version is if you're going to go in there and start looking at your training sessions in, in more detail and start, uh, you know, so say, for example, you do a bike ride, whether it be inside or outside, and you go, I put in a big effort for that sort of middle one hour. You can go in there and you can highlight that section. You can see your, your power output. You can see what your cadence doing you can see if there was any trends with your heart rate um, if you want to go to the next level then you've got all the different metrics you can be looking at um, and, and so on but for, for my experience eight out of ten people probably don't do that at all so it's a bit yeah. of a wasted investment and just another question because i don't know much about training peaks john as a coach if you've got a client who's in the free version do you get the and coach will pay for the data analysis so do you get the access to all that higher level information as a coach perspective totally Okay. Yeah, so the coach, the coach with the coaching side of it, you're paying a fee, so you can feed that information back to the athletes. They just can't see it from from uh, from their computer. Okay. Um, 
equally, I was just sort of saying there, you know, about going in and highlighting particular sections of uh, a particular workout. A way around that is if you're on Strava, um, you may find a particular route that you really like you go i want to have a route where i can benchmark myself consistently whether it be you know uh, doing a 10 mile tt or a you know 20 kilometer tt or i might have a particular loop that might be 50k or 100k and i want to see how i go on that consistently then you could just go and create your own segment in strava and you're going to be able to extract most of the data you need um for, on a free version so um strava is a good easy um, backstop if you don't want to be spending any money on the other platforms. Um, when it comes to which platform um, you want to choose, you know, so you, Ollie, you were saying you're sort of set up on Zwift, which is which is fantastic. Zwift is great if you want to be competitive, if you want to be social um, and you want to do group rides and things like that. If you want real life riding, then Ruby is, uh, is, is the other alternative. Um, and I was actually having a discussion over email yesterday with Dave Dwan about basically this is the same sort of topic and saying that if you're just somebody that does occasional inside rides and you prefer generally to ride outside, if you've got a PC, Perf Pro is going to be your cheapest um, option to go for. It's a one-off payment of $99 and you kind of get the best of both worlds with regards to um, being able to do workouts and riding on courses. So if you are looking for the, the budget option with a smart trainer, Perf Pro is the, the way to go. Um, and you also asked Ollie about all your different other platforms, you know, Zwift, Garmin, Training Peaks, etc. All of those can be linked for free. So just look up, you know, um, Sync and, and the items you're looking to sync, whether it be Zwift or Garmin. So you go Zits, Sync, Garmin to Zwift, and all of that can be free so they can all talk to each other. Uh, and the other thing to remember is, you know, with almost all these um, products, you can turn your subscriptions on and off unless you're paying the annual fees. So, you know, for, for Kiwis, you might go, okay, I'm going to, you know, going to sit on Ruby for the next um, two or three months going through winter and then turn it off during summer. So that's the advantage you've got by being on the month to month plan. Uh, we've got another question here through coming through from James, and it's just got here. I'm planning to do my first open marathon this year. I'll, the, I'll save this question, actually. It's from good old uh, James, uh, the Red Rocket Thomas. I think I'll save that question for another day. It has been sitting there for ages because James sent it through. I was going to say, well, John, it's, it's happening this week. No, no, but this this was sent through a while ago by James the Red Rocket Thomas, but just before the COVID uh, outbreak, and I was about to answer it, and then it was like, there's no way that event's happening. And okay. uh, James, to his credit, he is smoking it on Zwift. I think he's on day fifth or not. I don't think, I'm not sure he's on Zwift or what platform he's on, but I think he's up to 50 bikes in 50 days, or I think he's just crossed over that barrier. Oh, wow. James Thomas, keep it going. Your boy is on fire. Keep going, the Red Rocket. Okay, you can wait, but you have to wait, James. You have to well, wait. You, you wait until you get back running, and then I'll, I'll answer your question. Okay. <laughs> when you're back to being a triathlete, mate, not just mm. a bloody cyclist. Okay, John, let's, we've got an interview. So basically, it's not really an interview. It's a, it's a teaser. Because we have John Lund, he's going to be on Legends of the Triathlon, I'm going to be releasing it today as well with this episode, um, and uh, he is the man who was one of the big race directors in the UK when the triathlon kind of first started kicking off in the early 90s and late 80s, and then became the race director of both the Manchester Commonwealth Games, but more importantly the London Olympics. It's a great interview, so we thought we'd just chuck like five minutes in here so you guys can get a feel of what happens in the interview. So here is John right now. So you sort of led there onto the, the Olympics then, you know, um, obviously, um, you know, London putting in the bid. Talk, talk us through that process and, and when you actually first got involved, how you got involved and, and how long does it take, you know, from to, to get to, yeah. to 2012? 
Um, well, funnily enough, Salford, Salford um, and the Com Games in Manchester played did play a major part in that 2012 Olympic bid. So the bid for the bid for the London Olympics with a little bit of history, and I might I might be out slightly one or two with years, but Manchester bid to stage the 2000 Olympics, and the bid that went in was in 2000 uh, uh, was in 1994, I think the bid went in. So we had the World Championships in Manchester. I don't remember in mm, 1993. Yeah. That's, yep. that, that, that Spencer won with mm. Simon just behind him. Now, that was the bid triathlon for Manchester to prove that Manchester could deliver the Olympics. Mm. In 2000, they didn't win the bid. That went to Sydney, obviously, with the 2000 Olympics. But however, that gave Manchester the, the, uh, the belief they said, right, okay, you've put in a great bid. You can you can stage events. Go and do the Com Games. So the British government supported the Com Games in 2002, which in turn gave everyone confidence that they could have a crack at the Olympics. So in in about uh, just before 2000, uh, one of my colleagues who worked who now works at IOC, a guy called David Lucas, he started working on the London Olympic bid. In about 1999, it was that long, that far out. Mm. So he had a chat with we. He had a chat with Com Games. He had a chat with me on Olympics and the costs and how, how did we stage the Commonwealth Games and what what sort of delivery model and how could it all be done? And I, I spent a bit of time with him. We had a good laugh about it many years later. But he basically built the bid up from about 1999 all the way through. He saw the Com Games. He did the governmental background work and put the bid together. That bid was ready to go in about 2004. So it took that long to put together and get all get all the elements of sport and government to come together. And then we won the bid in 2005, July the 5th, I think it was, 2005. Well, I, I nearly fell off my chair because I thought Paris was a dead certain to win it. <laughs> I never in my wildest dreams thought london would would win and yeah i remember that day i was sat by my computer i was listening to the radio da 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 london has won the olympic bid so i thought oh god what now <laughs> but, but, but uh, it must have been a pretty special moment or was it more just oh god i've got a big lot of work in front of me yeah, well, I guess it's a bit, I don't know if you guys have got children, but you know, when you when your wife gives birth to the first child, it's you know, you've got joys and elation, and then you have this <laughs> thing in front of you thinking, well, what the flipping heck am I going to do with it now? <laughs> yeah. And and it was a it was a bit like that. I was thinking, my God, London, and, and what people don't realise is when uh, a government uh, uh, a bidding project, they put in a bid to win the event and the bid is to win the bid sometimes the uh, the link between what it actually should be and what it actually is is slightly different mm-hmm. so you could you, you know you want to win the bid you want to make your city the best on the planet you put all these beautiful things together but sometimes the reality is slightly different on the ground so if you bear that in mind, all of a sudden we've won this bid and we think, well, 
what how on earth are we going to make this happen you know it's uh, the london olympics had 26 sports they all want to have a primary place in the city of london they all want to have the best backdrops you know they want to be in you know the most glorious settings but they obviously they all can't be because they all get in the way of each other you know a triathlon a marathon cycling taekwondo volleyball they all all can't be in the same place it just doesn't work the whole place just gets completely blocked up so when you integrate a uh, uh, 26 effectively world championship events all going off within a two-week period that's why it takes so long to put an olympic games together because it all has to be choreographed and coordinated you know the city of london still has to function it still has hospitals and businesses and office blocks and police stations and all those things still have to work just because the olympics in town doesn't mean they don't work so 2005 where that was that was an absolute yeah it was amazing uh, amazing buzz in uh, in the world of sport in london um so i had to apply for the job like i think 120 people applied for it um eventually i had what three interviews to um get through the system and then i was appointed in april 2008 so I uh, yeah so, uh, four and a half years I was pretty much appointed uh, competition manager for triathlon so I was fortunate to go out to uh, Beijing in 2008 to see how that was put together and yeah it was quite quite an experience. Check out Legends of the Triathlon. So one thing we have changed, guys, is the, the Legends of Triathlon.com. Have you changed that link over, John? Yes, I have. So if you go to that right now, it now goes to IM Talk, but we have a special page that, that is specifically for Legends of Triathlon. If you go to imtalk.me on the front page, you'll see the Legends of Triathlon banner. Click on that, it'll take you through to where you can get the show. Or obviously, when all the places where you normally get podcasts, like um, Apple Podcasts or um, Spotify or places like that as well. So you can get Legends of Triathlon. And if you have friends who are triathletes and aren't listening to Legends, make sure you get onto it because it's a pretty great podcast. Jonbo, let's do Winger of the Week. Winger of the, of the week. week. And my number, and it's an obvious one, John, 23. 23. Because I'm hooked okay. on Michael Jordan right now, I tell you. 23. Daniel Pararov. Pararov. He did 13 hours. Oh no, he did 18 hours and 31 minutes of training. He did from 13 activities, rode 12 hours and 55 minutes, rode 5 hours and 36 minutes. So he's not just living on the the trainer. And Daniel is need to be able to identify. I can't identify him. He looks like he's a bit of a trainer road man because, uh, but he's got a private identity, so I can't see too much what he's been up to. But uh, did plenty of workouts on trainer road by the look of it. He's got a picture, a massive big bowl of hummus with a gherkin on the outside uh, and some eggs. Do you and eat hummus, some... John? I have hummus every day. For breakfast, my breakfast, and all you carbohydrates will hate me, I have three bits of toast and two of them are hummus and tomato on toast. No. Oh. oh, you've lost the avocado. You told us about that before. No. Avocado is too expensive at the no, moment. No, I've never, I'm not rich enough to have avocado for breakfast, John. When I'm rich, if I ever get rich, avocado is coming for breakfast, I tell you. Um, and then at lunchtime, I have another sandwich, more carbs, John. I'm a carb king. Uh, and I have, av- I have a hummus. I love my hummus. Mm. Oh. So Daniel Parov, uh, in the last 
four weeks, he's been averaging 67 kilometres of running. That's pretty solid uh, per week. Uh, and then he's been averaging 170 kilometres per week over the last uh, four weeks. So he's going good. It's nice people work. Doing some big yards right now, John. David yeah. P, who's number one, 31 hours. Sonia P, 30 hours. A lot of P then- happening. Scraping in another P, number 100 with 12 hours and 48 minutes was Phil Patterson. <laughs> nice. I feel like he's getting some big training back in. Phil is cranking. He doesn't know what the sun looks like anymore. It's been glorious weather for yeah. until today or until yesterday. And Phil has been cranking it inside on both his Wift and uh, and even on his treadmill as well. Phil, if you're listening, get outside. Get outside, mate. Get some tan. Okay, John, we did get one question now. So Michael Turner, he sent through an email and he goes, the subject is push-ups. Message is, John, 15 push-ups a day. <laughs> is, that, is that 15 an hour whilst you're awake? Please don't tell me it's a day. From Titch, from Michael Turner. John? This is a, this is a family activity. Oh, here Mike. we go. So, we're all, we're, Belinda's not doing it, but Felicity is doing it. She Felicity is ripped. She is a bloody machine of but all this But she's a lightweight Felicity. She's, she's not she, much to her. But she's got some muscle and she's she's pretty strong. Thomas, on the other hand, is cranking it on Zwift, but he has got like zero upper body strength. It is embarrassing. So I'm trying to get him on the bandwagon as well. You can, can pull out manage. the old um, Jack the Mustang. Oh, Too much cardio, can... not enough weights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's exactly right for him. He can he can manage about five, and so I'm trying to build him up to 15. Um, so 15 is good for me. I'm in day four, and I'm uh, 15 a day. Felicity had to do 30 on day two because she forgot about day one. Uh, so she's cranking it, and everybody's on track. So it's all good. Good times. Okay, John, we have got a new patron of the show. Uh, Jombo, Andrew, how do you say his last name? Castaldi. Okay, about me. I've been involved in athletics most of my life, though it was always for joy of sports as opposed to performance aspect. If it was for that, I would have given up a long time ago. <laughs> um, as a youth, I started with basketball and baseball, then ran cross country in high school. Yes, I was a senior on the junior varsity squad. Pretty much partied through college. Somehow I wonder, I wonder how I graduated. Then after university, I picked up triathlon in the early 2000s. In my first race, I was second to last out of the water, went the wrong way in transition and somehow muddled my way through the run, but I was hooked. I did my first Ironman in Florida in 2004 and now I'm up to 11. Might be more this year depending on how things shake out. I keep at it and keep at it and keep at it and gradually improved. In my professional life, I'm an engineer working in a heavy construction industry. I move around a lot for my work and triathlon has always been a consistent thing in my life. I run and ride or do all of the local races have proven to be a great way to make friends and get me involved, get me through tough times. These days I live in Washington DC but I race for the Boston Triathlon team as I recently moved from Boston to DC and it's got a link to the Boston Boston Triathlon team. Um, Cool, that's what I love about triathlon. Andrew's a great story of, you know, you can have a life where you're kind of transitioning kind of a very transient life. But there's always a triathlon community somewhere in the world, isn't there, John? There is indeed. And you got, you've, you, have you got any ideas for nicknames at this stage? Oh, I was going to do something around Boston. I was going to do, I was going to do one that I can't even say, John. So no, I, <laughs> I, 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 I had an idea. What's a Boston thing? 
Well, but Andrew, he sent through a really nice, couple of really nice pictures of him racing. When I saw these pictures, they reminded me a bit of David McNamee. Um, right. So he's 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 Scottish, isn't he? I'm sure he is. He's got a very thick accent, yep. uh, but I'm pretty sure he's Scottish. And because David McNamee's got quite broad shoulders and quite long legs, a very fast runner, as we've seen at uh, Kona a couple of times when he's absolutely ripped it on the run, finishing uh, in third place, I think twice maybe yeah um he didn't didn't get second did he no i think he was third both times um so i was i was thinking something along the the scottish angle something like the loch ness monster or something else uh scottish what's another you know more about scotland than i do john well uh what do they like to drink don't know what they drink in Scotland. Yeah, well, that's really helpful. So the yes. only the only thing we know about Scotland is a lot of monster. monster. <laughs> I've got lots of uh, lots of oil rigs uh, off Scotland, so maybe we could call them Big Rig. Okay, there we go. Very Big good. Rig. Very good. So all we know about Scotland is oil. <laughs> What do they call it? The Glasgow kiss? Is that what they call that when you headbutt someone? Oh, is yeah. The Glasgow yeah. kiss? Yeah. Maybe we'll call them that. The Glasgow kiss. Okay. The Glasgow kiss. There we go. Love you. And that works with his last name. There you go. Glasgow kiss. Castaldi. Beautiful, Andrew. Thank you so much for being a patron of the show. We've also got name a couple of other patrons. We've got Joel Sensei Bell. Ross, give a lot, little. And we've got Jonathan, the Squeeze Hudson. These people all support the show. It really makes a big difference, particularly this time right now, Jonbo. Uh, thank you to all the patrons. If you want to be a patron, go to www.iamtalk.me. John, sponsors? We have got Generation UCAN. So uh, use the promo code IMTALK at the various different stores that Bevan mentioned before. We've also got them listed on iamtalk.me if you're not sure which store to do. Um, use the promo code IMTALK. Uh, remember, you can also get the show emailed to you at imtalk.me down the bottom of the front page. If you want to become a patron, I talked about that before, just up, 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 me. Coach John Newsom for coaching. I've released a new podcast, a very confrontational podcast. Uh, there are some pretty hard questions. If you want to kind of confront some hard stuff in your life, check that out, bevanjamesiles.com. Also, um, uh, other content, age group of the week, cool website of the week, and other feedback, imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John, what's your goss? What's my goss? Fingers crossed in New Zealand we might. What's be my goss? To, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. We might have uh, be sort of settling back into a little bit more normality next week, and kids will be back at school hopefully at some stage in the yeah, next zero week day, and a half, we, two weeks. We did. So uh, I do worry about the survival of kids worldwide with their parents potentially throttling them, uh, <laughs> having to do all this homeschooling and stuff. Uh, so looking forward to that, Bevan. And dear, day, today is day five of the running challenge, doing sort of 30 to 60 minutes running every day, minimum 5K in 30 or 30 minutes, whichever sort of comes first. Just running nice and easy. Had a couple of runs with the kids and so far and just taking it nice and gently, nothing too crazy. Keep learning. I, this show's been dominated by Zwift, and they're not even a bloody sponsor, but um, didn't know the Zwift race at the weekend. Managed to cock, cock something up again. Every week he managed to cock something you up. Cock up this time? Cocked up the finish, Bevan. It's the worst part of the race to cock up. How, how'd you cock it up? Well, I did, I did really, really well on the first lap. Got off to a great start. I was with the front of an A group for the whole first lap, and... Uh, and I, th- I had a quick look at my file, and it was equal to the best ever 20 minutes I've ever done um, oh, really? on a bike. And I still had uh, 
you know, another 25 minutes of racing going. I think I did 335 watts for the first 20 minutes, and that was hanging on like a bloody a thread to the front group. Um, but I did get dropped by the front group, which was not entirely surprising. It just couldn't quite hack it. But at this stage, you're going, you know what, I'm doing all right. Just, yeah. If I finish this well, it's going to be a great day. It wasn't mental application that let me down. It was just I'm just not good enough, which is which I'm okay with. But the, the great thing about this stuff, this is Swift Racing, is it it is quite similar to what bike racing's like. And most triathletes never get to experience bike yeah. racing. So I know when you first started, you it was the cold hard reality of it is you've got to be a hard ass or you're going to get your ass whooped yeah. very very quickly. I loved cycle. I did quite a bit of cycle racing for a couple of years here, and and I did love it because it's just. It's just a, a mental application you learn because it's a top end stuff, isn't it? And and the benefit, like if you if you work hard, there's a real massive benefit because you stay off a good pack. But if you don't, there's a real massive cost because it's a lonely day out there by yourself. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and got an ego shame. Ah, oh, totally. And so we got, I got dropped after the first lap, and there was about five or six others that kind of had a little group going, and it was just it was quite funny because you, you're almost looking at each other going. There's a big group that's that it's like a minute, over a minute behind us after the first lap, and I was like, they're going to catch us because they had a massive group and they had some fairly big, big engines in there. Yep. And so it's like, do you keep, do you keep TTing it together, or do you wait for the group? And I knew the group was going to catch us, so we got swamped by this group. And then you'll you'll hear about people talking about power ups on Zwift, and so I got a power up. I'm thinking, sweet, I've got a power up for the finish. This, I'm going to try to play this. I've never actually had this card to play. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, right, it's coming at the last K. I'm getting ready to play. You had the layup. You had the layup. You just had the layup really into the hoop. I'm going, right, I'm going to play it now. And I didn't even realise or remember that the finish had this kick at the end. And so I'm sitting there waiting, 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 ready to play this aero power up, forgetting that they had an uphill finish and completely cocked it all up and probably lost about, you know, 10 to 15 places in the process. Uh, so um, it was still good fun. Still enjoyed did you it. use your power up? Well, I did, but it didn't do me any good because then it went to uphill for the last little you know a couple of hundred meters of the race and i should have just had my head down just absolutely slamming it and i would have done better but uh one time when i was a means- kid i was playing a game of rugby john and and i'm in i'm in the overseas listeners don't know much about rugby they think the malls is where you basically got five or six guys just lying on top of each other no 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 like when you're standing so you're kind of mauling forward you know like not a um not a ruck so it's a mall and there's four or five of guys trying to push against you you're trying to you're trying to get momentum going your way and i'm in the middle of this mall john and i've got the ball and i can see the, the try line just up and I, keep pushing guys come on and i jump over the try line john and i was actually in the try line i went jumped over the deep ball line Nice. Nice. Similar example. Similar example. What's happening with you, Bevan? Oh, the other thing is, sorry. Entered a half marathon this morning. So I've started my running block and I'm doing. When is it? So it's on the 2nd of August, the South Island Half Marathon, it's called. Uh, so I think it's southislandhalfmarathon.co.nz. It's in Ashburton on the 2nd of August. Um, so if anybody wants to try to find an event, if you're in the South Island, there's not many events on at that stage of the year, uh, and you're looking for something to do, check it out. Yeah, I'm sure lots of people, as soon as we can have events, will want to be doing events. Uh, John, my gosh, I've got two little quick stories. A, somebody signed the Iron Talk podcast email up to christian mingle which is oh, a- i was wondering what those emails oh did were. you get them too did you i was getting a whole bunch of them I, i've unsubscribed i don't know what it is well no i went and deleted the account so right. someone signed us up and we were some hot chick 
I tell you what, Christian men like hot checks because we got a lot of we got a lot of interest in it. Didn't we I got a lot of we got a lot of likes and a lot of comments on the photo and because uh, I was like I woke up one morning it was like. I know 15 emails from Christian Ming. What's all this about? And I am talk podcast was so I, I I had to redo the login, logged in, and there was a, some girl and all these messages like back it up. Christian <laughs> Mingle. I tell you what, the Christian Mingle was very popular for a good looking girl, I tell you, John, but it wasn't for us. Oh dear. I did wonder what that was. And then and then my other little kind of funny story was the other morning, last Thursday morning, I woke up and I looked at the date and I thought, ah. And Joe woke up a couple of hours later because I kind of woke up early and I yelled at Joe. I go, Joe, you see John um, um, Bridges? What's, what's the Bridges' first name? Simon Bridges. Simon, Simon Bridges has retired, has quit. She goes, what? I go, yeah, Simon Bridges quit. And immediately, she goes, really? And I go, April's Fools. And she goes, Bev, it's the 1st of May. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <So> my God. <laughs> I just saw the first, and I was like, oh, I'm going to get it for April's Fools. Turns out I was the fool, John. You were the fool, indeed. <laughs> Sometimes I'm pretty sharp. Okay, John, yeah. let's wrap it up. Uh, Legends of Triathlon, I'll be putting out pretty much the same time I'm putting this episode out today, so you can check that out when you're on your bike or when you're at work right now. Uh, so, John, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.